I just wanted to say that the beating Ric Flair just gave my father is nothing compared to what Triple H, my husband, is going to give 29 other men in the Royal Rumble. Triple H is going to destroy Kurt Angle. Triple H is going to destroy The Undertaker. And Triple H is going to destroy Stone Cold Steve Austin. I just wish that Stone Cold's little wife, Deborah, was going to be at ringside because I would like to destroy her. Deborah thinks she's all uh -oh. mean and tough. Steph. But Triple H has taught me a thing Steph. or two. Because you Stephanie. see, Triple H and I, we're a team. I mean, he's here, oh, he's in the room. What? What? I'm, what? I'm, you gonna clap your gums about what Triple H is gonna do to me? Yeah, I, Over the top rope? Twenty-nine people? I, You're gonna kick Deborah's ass? What? Go ahead, talk. What? 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 You got something to say to me? Do you want to talk about the Royal Rumble? Yeah, I'd love to ask you about the. What? Uh, I'd love to ask you what? about. What? You want to ask if Stone Cold who's gonna win the Royal Rumble? Yeah. Who's gonna Stone Cold? I said Stone Cold. Stone Cold. What part of Stone Cold do you not understand? What? 29 pieces of trash. What? Over the top rope. What? That includes Triple H. What? Kurt Angle. What? The Undertaker. What? The bottom line. What? The bottom line. What? The bottom line is Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to win the Royal Rumble and go to WrestleMania. And that's the bottom line. Why? Because Stone Cold said so. The, the bottom line is the bottom line is one word? What? Nah. Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. The sleep hold has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, Event Status Radio. They're recording again. Ha ha. Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Welcome back to Mid Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, and today we're chatting up about Stone Cold Steve Austin and his continuing popularity today. The reason why I want to talk about him is because he's on the cover of the new WWE 2K16 video game, and there's been a lot of buzz on the internet about him coming out of retirement and having one last match in WrestleMania 32 in Arlington, Texas. But before I, I dig, get into that and dig into that, I have a guest on the podcast today. He is a former commentator and announcer for ECW and CZW, the host of Pro Wrestling Radio and owner and head editor over at KimmelClutchBlog.com. Most importantly, a father and husband of two, or a husband and father of two. <laughs> Eric Gargillo. How's it going, Eric? That's awesome. That's that's one of my, my favorite introductions ever. Uh, every, everything's going great. Really uh, happy to be uh, doing your show today. I know it's taken a while to put it together, so hopefully it pays off uh, for you. And, uh, and yeah, I'm doing great. Very good. Thank you. It's always great to uh, have you back on Mid-Event Status Radio since I think it's been about a year or so since we last chatted and 
since I think the last time I had you on the podcast. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. So, yeah, I wanted to talk, you know, get you on about Stone Cold Steve Austin because yeah, he's he has his own podcast that he's been doing for about a year and a half or so. And it seemed like when you had Paul Heyman on his podcast on the WWE Network a month or two back, it's like there was a lot of talk about Steve Austin coming back out, out of retirement since he had his last match. I think in 2003 at WrestleMania 19, I guess, Eric, if you had to explain to somebody who knows absolutely nothing about pro wrestling, how would you explain the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin to them? Oh, my goodness. I mean, we could uh, we could do the, the next two hours uh, on that. Steve Austin um, really is, um, wow, uh, how, how do you describe the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin? Um, a guy that worked very hard, um, a guy that earned everything that came to him, a guy that paid his dues and then some. I mean, what's what's pretty awesome about Steve Austin's career, if you look back on it, is he really hit his peak. I don't know. I think he debuted in, in 1989. So it took him, what, uh, about nine, ten. And I could be wrong on that. I, you know, my date might be wrong on that. Um, might might have been a little later. So it took him about 10 years until he hit his peak. It was a, a brand new gimmick. I mean, he completely reinvented himself. And it, it, it's funny because, you know, I guess if, if you, you think about it, um, even back then, so what, Hogan came in in like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I want to say 77. So, yeah, I mean, generally guys um, make their mark before 10 years. So it took Austin about 10 years, so a little longer than most. And what's, what's really amazing when you look back at Austin's career is the – the short window that he had on top and Austin talked about has talked about this a lot in recent years and it doesn't even dawn on you at least it doesn't even dawn on me really um, until it didn't really dawn on me until he talked about it uh, the fact that he really didn't have that long of uh, a run at the top and you think about it and you're thinking oh Austin was on top for 10 years you know but Austin really he had um, you know 98 to to what like um, Two, to just a couple of years, what, 2000? Then he had, you know, uh, some runs after that when he left. And my dates may, may be completely wrong here, but, you know, for him to have made as big an impact and as, as big a mark on the business as he did in such a short time is uh, nothing short of extraordinary, in my opinion. Well, because he last, last lost the WWE title in, I think, what, 2001? Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, from 98 to... No, March of 98 to, I think, December of 2001 was when he held his, I think, six WWE titles. So it's very, yeah, like I said, very short span. Plus, you know, he'd had a year off with his neck surgery from, ninety, I think, end of 99 to towards the end of 2000. So, yeah, he yeah. had a very short impact. And you mentioned Hulk Hogan before, and and I know I, I think Steve Austin compared his run compared to, or to Hogan's run. I guess how would you compare to the two to one another. Well, you know, um, I mean, two completely different runs, but, um, you know, uh, wow. How would you compare them? You know, my initial gut feeling is to say that Austin made a bigger mark in a shorter time, 
but I don't know if he did. You know, I mean, I lived through the Hulkamania era. I mean, I, I went to the Spectrum here in Philly when Hogan came. I was, you know, I got into wrestling um, during the last couple of years of the Backlund era. So I, I lived through the transition, watched it as a wrestling fan. And of course, you know, watched it uh, later through tapes and, and, and everything and relived it. You know, I would probably say that Hogan had the better run. Um, and I think Austin might even say that. I think Austin said that um, on, on interviews, if I'm not mistaken. And, and he's right. I mean, Hogan had, you know, from 1985 to 1993, I think, in WWE. Uh, I mean, he might have been there a little longer because I don't think he went to WCW. Yeah, he went to WCW, I think, in 94. Um, so you had Hogan from, you know, 85 to uh, 92, 93, uh, huge run in the beginning towards the end, uh, still a big name, still a big star, but his, his star was definitely losing some of its shine. Then Hogan has another monstrous run, uh, you know, after he turns heel at, at bash the beach from what, like 96 to like nine, 90, 99. Then Hogan again has another run in the WWE later when he, when he comes in. So, I mean, you know, Hogan, um, you know, Austin only reinvented himself once and uh, was a top guy. You know, Hogan reinvented himself a couple of times and remained a top guy. Hogan still, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think that and, and I think for people that grew up watching Hogan, he's more iconic to their childhood than Austin. Um, I, I think Hogan uh, was able to cross over. I mean, look at the way look at Austin's career since leaving the WWE. I mean, He's crossed over somewhat into popular culture, but not the way that Hogan did when when Hogan was gone. When Hogan left, I mean, he was, you know, on Thunder on Paradise and he was in movies. And I mean, Austin, you know, he has his CMT shows and everything and he's got a nice little following but and, and a nice little career, but it's nothing to the extent of Hogan. So I think, you know, uh, in terms of matching up careers, I think Hogan uh, certainly has a, a bigger spot on that uh, proverbial Mount Rushmore uh, than Austin. I know it's been said before. I think Austin may addressed it too that in ways it's kind of hard to compare the two since in Hogan's day, you know, he didn't have to run pay-per-views every month and, you know, Monday Night Raw, you know, every Monday night for 52 weeks a, a year and all that. That's true. And, you know, that's, I guess, uh, in ways, you know, if you would stretch out the pay-per-views that Austin may have vented to, like what Hogan did, do you think, uh, in ways it's like comparing apples to oranges, but do you feel like, you know, if, you know, Austin's run was been compacted, if, let's say if, well, let's see if I can uh, think about this, but, uh, yeah, well, let, me, let me, let me, let me, let me um, talk on that point, you know, and uh, on Austin's point there, you know, uh, Austin's right. And, and that's a very good point. But at the same time, you know, Hogan had to draw on, on house shows month to month. I mean, Hogan wasn't on TV on a weekly basis, but Hogan had a different metric, you know, the house shows, you know, when Austin was on top and they were doing house shows, they were coming uh, here to Philly, maybe, you know, a couple of times a year, two, three times a year at most when Hogan was on top. They were here every, you know, three to five weeks um, and not just here in Philly, but in all the big markets uh, wherever, uh, you know, you know, around the country. Um, so, you know, for us and, and, you know, I mean, Hogan did have weekly TV when he was in the NWO, when he was on Nitro. So, I mean, for Austin to say that, I mean, it's the business. Um, the business model was completely different. You know, Austin's business model was more pay-per-view and uh, television. Hogan's was house shows um, and, 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 you know, eventually pay-per-views and, you know, and Hogan crushed it back then. So, 
you know, I think that for Austin to say that, I mean, it's it's an interesting point to make, but at the same time, you got to throw it back at Austin's face. Well, you know, you you didn't have the responsibility of uh, drawing, uh, you know, a fill in buildings, uh, you know, the same buildings every month. And I guess to you know, since I compared Austin to Hogan in the in the eighties, I guess I want to compare Steve Austin to John Cena nowadays. Uh, how do you compare Stone Cold to John Cena? Well, you know, um, I mean, Cena has certainly had the longer run. He's had a longer consecutive run than Hogan. Uh, he's had a longer consecutive run than any of the the iconic legends, other than Bruno San Martino. And I think he might have, even at this point, it might have. It probably is more consecutive than Bruno. Um, it's a different business. Uh, you know, comparing Austin to uh, you know John Cena didn't have a Monday Night War. Um, to compete with. I mean, Austin did and the WWE did. And if, um, you know, if the fans didn't like what they were seeing, they, they had an alternative. They haven't had an alternative with Cena. So that's all they got. Um, you know, Cena hasn't had to, you know, they haven't had to fight in the same way that, that Cena did with the competition. Um, you know, Austin, you know, Austin never um, – Austin sustained. You know, Austin's drawing power was sustained. Austin's stardom was sustained. You know, Cena has had peaks and valleys, uh, you know, since he's been on top. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, and Austin, you know, in terms of economics, drew more money, uh, you know, for at his during his time period than, than Cena did. Um, but they're also marketed to two different audiences. You know, Cena's marketed more to kids and Austin really wasn't marketed to kids for obvious reasons. Um, so, I mean, you know, again, two business models, two completely different metrics. Uh, you know, I can't ever envision a time where Austin would have been booed. You know, I mean, Cena... Cena, Cena, you know, it's a split, it's a split show. It's a split house for Cena, you know, pro and, and, and con. I can't imagine ever a scenario where Austin would have been booed the same way that, that Cena was, um, you know, Austin also, um, you know, he was more original, you know, uh, Cena, you know, they have written promos. I mean, I'm sure Cena has more, uh, latitude than a lot of the other guys, but, uh, at the end of the day, Cena still has, uh, written promos, um, where, where Austin didn't, um, you know, Austin certainly had better, better opponents. Um, I don't think anybody would doubt that, but I just think that for, um, you know, to compare the two, you know, I mean, in terms of longevity, I mean, it definitely goes to, to Cena, but in terms of impact, I think it's, it's very difficult to, uh, you know, to compare the two, because I think Austin was just at, at, at a different level. Uh, you were talking about, yeah, different level, you know, level. And I guess, uh, you know, comparing, you know, Austin to Hogan's like apples to oranges. Do you feel like nowadays it's different because, you know, you mentioned that WWE doesn't have a, another wrestling competitor, but do you feel like it's McMahon should change his viewpoint on looking at sports as his current day competitor? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I don't really understand how that that comparison could be made by him because, you know, they're different audiences. I mean, you know, my nieces love the WWE. They have no interest in watching sports. I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of a correlation there because you could see Monday Night Raw ratings take major hits um, during during, uh, you know, the sports season. But it's really football. You know, it's really Monday Night Football. I mean, 
you know, they don't take ratings hits during uh, baseball. Um, UFC doesn't impact the WWE, the NBA, I guess the NBA playoffs, uh, definitely impact, uh, the WWE NHL really doesn't, I would say it's more football, more Monday night football than it is, um, you know, sports in general. I think it's a, I think it's a little misguided. I mean, who am I to tell Vince McMahon he's misguided, but that's, that, that's, that's how I see it. Since it's like UFC is super popular nowadays, Let's say if UFC had the popularity that it has nowadays during Austin's run on top, do you feel like Austin would have had a, a following that he did back then? If, you know, without UFC, if he would, if yeah, if, if UFC would have would have been around in '98, '99. Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. Um, I do think that Austin would have the same popularity because it's it's the same audience. As a matter of fact, I think UFC would be the ones that that would be in trouble, quite frankly, because, uh, you know, the WWE, they can script their stuff. Uh, you know, um, the UFC can't. And I think it would be the, the WWE, I think it would be um, UFC that would be in real trouble because those fans could get what they want to see on a week-to-week basis where now they, they, you know, only get it every so often and they're certainly not getting it from the WWE today. So I think it, it's actually the reverse. I think it would actually be um, the UFC that would be more impacted by having Steve Austin around, um, you know, as opposed to the other way around. One thing I appreciate about McMahon and WWE nowadays is the WWE network. I've yeah. talked to a few of my buddies. This would be, well, when Austin was still in his Hades, so 2001, 2002 ish, that, that we, my f- friends and I wish we had something like the WWE network back then because. You know, we could watch all the old WWF libraries and all that that they had up to that point. And nowadays, I enjoy going back and <coughs> watching, you know, the old Nitros, old Raws, and and yeah. all that. Uh, if you can narrow it down to a couple feuds or matches from Austin's heyday, what should people go and seek of seek of Austin's work on the WWE Network? In your opinion, well. You know, I mean, certainly the the Mick Foley um, series is um, is probably uh, right up there with just about anything else. I mean, of course, McMahon Austin. Um, I mean, I still go back and check out the '99 Royal Rumble when Vincent and Austin started out one and two. Um, I haven't been, I haven't checked out the the Raw selections lately, but I would certainly watch any raws from 1998 up until uh up until i guess you know march of uh of of 1999 when uh i guess after wrestlemania uh 1999 because that was really austin mcmahon was from april 98 uh all the way up through um you know wrestlemania 99 and there were so many peaks and valleys there um good peaks and valleys uh in the program but at the end of the day i really don't think you'll find a anything as exciting on the network and, and, and B, you know, if you watch wrestling today and um and, and compare it, I mean there is nothing, nothing at all that comes remotely close to um the the quality and, and the excitement and the intensity that you have between Austin and McMahon. I mean it was just it was just awesome. Um so you have Austin and McMahon, you have Austin and Foley and you know, I mean everybody talks about the rock um, and Austin as a, uh, you know, as a legendary feud. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think it is a, a legendary series yet at the same time. And I know this might not be a very popular opinion, 
I never really got into it too much until the until they had the feud where um, Rock turned heel. Uh, where where um, after well, what was it? Um, well, Rock turned heel, and then I think Austin went home right away. So I guess they never really had uh, a whole lot. Or or no, yeah, it was. It was that the, the last match they had yeah. and all the build up for their last match at Mania. Yeah, yeah where going um, nineteen now. Yeah, where where Rock came in as 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 a, as the rock star and and was was just such a an awesome heel. I mean that stuff was just great. Um, Austin Angle, um, Austin Kurt Angle was was fantastic. I mean their matches were great. I remember this one match and it's probably on the network. I don't know if it's on the network, but I remember. I think it was. It was either the Labor Day or the Memorial Day Raw. It was either it was probably Labor Day, and they um, they built it up as this huge match, and they had this match on Raw that was just just absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't know how much of a feud it was, but uh, Austin and Hunter had uh, some decent matches against uh, the Hardys. Oh, how could I even forget this one, Eric? Um, when we're talking about this, how about Austin and Bret Hart? Um, well, I mean, uh, uh, Survivor, the Survivor Series '97 and Mania '13. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how I could even forget that, but, but I, I almost did. Um, but yeah, it, that, it's just Austin and Bret Hart. That feud. Um, I mean, watch, watch WWE on a weekly basis uh, during that time, and um, it's just there, there's no way to get sick of it. Uh, you know, watching it on, on, on a weekly basis during that time time period. Uh, that stuff was just awesome. Um, Austin and Bret Hart. I mean, and especially the fact that they were, you know, they were able to, um, turn, you know, uh, you know, turn each other and keep it going. It was just, it was very, it, it was very good. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, Austin Bret Hart was just really, uh, probably second to none at that point. I'm surprised you didn't mention, uh, Austin suited with Shawn Michaels. Cause I know they had, I think it was a King of the Ring 97 match that was, Pretty decent. Then they had also the media fourteen match where Michaels lost the title, uh, Stone Cold. And I guess I want to bring up the Michaels feud with with Austin. Uh, that I I don't remember if I if you and I exchanged emails about this, but I was I've been kind of thinking off and on about the Montreal screw job. And do you feel like, in a sense, that McMahon and Michaels, quote unquote, screwing Bret Hart over at uh, Survivor Series ninety seven helped out? Austin's rub at Mania 14 when he won the title from Michaels? Yeah, I mean, you know, it certainly did. I don't know. You know, I – and I think that, you know, if you listen to Austin's podcast, I think he almost agrees with me on this. I don't think Austin – and Michaels was as good as it could have been. And he's talked about it on his podcast. He actually had Sean, I think, on his first podcast, and they talked about it. And Sean said that he was in a, a weird place at the time, and he was going through a lot of issues. And they they obviously, you know, Sean obviously knew that Austin was was the next in line, was, was the kingpin, so to speak. And, um, you know, I don't think that they ever really – peaked the way that that they could have and if you remember um too at the time michaels was really spending most of, of those months feuding with undertaker you know michaels was feuding with undertaker in the fall he wrestled him at the rumble and then it was on to austin um so the austin michaels feud oh and and i know and, and you know and and, and I do know what you're saying, though, that they also had that feud the second time around when Michaels came back and was a tag team partner. Um, so I, I know that you're addressing that. I'm talking about a different feud altogether, so I apologize. But yeah, you know, that second feud, too, that they had, it was a weird feud. Um, 
You know, I mean, Michaels definitely wasn't himself. Michaels was definitely in a weird place. I mean, he looked out to lunch half the time uh, they were, you know, that he was on television. I don't think Michaels and Austin ever lived up to its peak. And I don't think Austin and Undertaker ever lived up to its peak. And that's another one that Austin's talked about on his podcast. Austin said on his podcast how he felt that he and Undertaker, for whatever reason, they just never gelled the way that he hoped that, that they could or they would. And, I mean, I remember the big angle they did. Or I think it was, was it SummerSlam 98, where um, they, they wrestled one-on-one uh, for the first time in Madison Square Garden? Um, it was their, their first, I mean, they've wrestled, they wrestled before that, but it was their first really big match. And Paul Heyman, uh, is credited with booking a lot of that angle. And, um, and it was, it was, it was, it was really the buildup for that was awesome. The match itself was okay. What I remember most about the match was there was a spot where Undertaker jumped off of, he jumped off of the the ring, off the top rope to the floor, uh, while Austin was on the table, and Undertaker did like a leg drop. So I do I do remember that. But um, if, if I remember correctly, Austin mentioned during one of his podcasts that somewhere in the match he got knocked for loopy, and which is why that match wasn't as great as people hoped it would. There you it go. Would have been. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. That that makes sense. So th- so there you go. But um. But but yeah. It's um. You know, it's 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 interesting because, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people automatically they're like, oh, Austin Undertaker, you know, must have been a great feud and really wasn't. And, you know, I think that it I think it says a lot about Austin's character when he readily admits that when when he talks about that on his podcast and interviews, because, you know, a lot of guys, there are a lot of guys out there that don't think that they had any bad matches or any bad feuds. But um, but but Austin um, is not one of them. And, you know, at some point he's supposed to have Undertaker on his podcast. I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, I hope it's soon. But uh, but, yeah, he's supposed to have Undertaker on his podcast. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how that how they address it, because I think um, I think it's pretty interesting. Then, uh, yeah, like mentioned earlier in the podcast, that Stone Cold Steve Austin is on the cover of WWE 2K16. Okay. Why Steve Austin? Who else? Um, you know, they're, they're at a point now, they don't have a star strong enough to sell that game to, to the casual audience. Um, and I think it's, it's, I think it's more indicative of the bad booking of WWE today as, as it is, um, Austin, um, you know, Austin, uh, you know, Austin's, um, uh, sustainability. Um, I, I, you know, I think that right now they're at a point, you know, they've already had Cena on, on the front of the game. They had punk when he was there, who else could they have? There's nobody that transcends audiences like, like Austin. So I think they're right now at a point where it's, it's pretty, you know, I'd be pretty scared if I was, uh, if I was a, a shareholder of, of the WWE at this point, um, they don't seem to be, uh, that scared, but, but I, I'd be pretty scared if I was a, a shareholder at this point, because they're, you know, it's just they don't have the 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 star the star power they used to have there, and it's you need stars, you really do. I don't know how how you how you do it without them, but they they definitely need stars, and they're not getting them uh, these days in the company. They're not creating them. Uh, sadly, I guess depending on what view you have of this guy, but I did listen to a, a podcast with Vince Russo within the last few weeks, and he was mentioning that. Uh, he was comparing nowadays to yeah, when he was with the WWE on the booking team that back then he, they were him and Ed Ferreira were more focused on creating stars and building up characters for fans can relate to at least somebody on the on the card and he was mentioning that you know 
Steve Austin was a guy that, you know, bumped up ratings. So if, you know, they were paying attention to ratings that, you know, if people turned in for Steve Austin, they'd try to give fans more Steve Austin. And if, let's say, if fans turn the channel on, let's say, The Godfather, for instance, they try to give them less of The Godfather. Do okay. You, do you feel like uh, WWE nowadays should kind of pay attention to ratings like that and try to build characters for fans can relate to? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I just did a podcast with my good friend, uh, Brian Fritz over at Between the Ropes. And that's what we talked about. We talked a lot about how, uh, you know, what they need to do today. And, you know, my, my opinion was that they're not edgy enough. They've, they've lost their edge. They, they really have. And I don't know why, because I think you do need an edge, but they've, they've completely lost their edge and they need to get it back. Um, with, with, without that edge, um, they're, they're going to be stuck in this run. They need an edge. They need, a, they need, they need to give people the product that that's talked about at the water cooler that the kids are getting excited about. They just, they, they really need to have an edge. And unfortunately that edge just, just isn't there. They don't have that edge anymore. And why do you feel like there's a buzz with on Steve Austin having one more match at WrestleMania 32? Well, you know, I mean, I think all of us would love to see Austin wrestle again at WrestleMania 32. I mean, uh, you know, it's he's Steve Austin, and we haven't seen him wrestle in a long time. It would be really exciting to see him back in there throwing down. Um, but at 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 the end of the day, um, you know, at the at the end of the day, it's. Um, it's not going to happen. I think that if it was going to happen, it already would have happened. Um, I think that if it's, um, you know, at the end of the day, if it's a, a choice of Steve Austin being healthy or me see, seeing Steve Austin in the ring, I certainly would rather have Steve Austin healthy. I think that we all, yeah, I think we all would. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's a choice that, that has to be made. And, um, you know, I think Steve Austin made that choice a long time ago. And for us to want anything different, I think is, is almost a little, a little selfish. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Eric, that, you know, if I thought, you know, there's been reports out there that if Stone Cold has one more match, if he takes one bump wrong, he's paralyzed for the rest of his life. And like you said, that if it's either, you know, health or one more match for my entertainment, I'd rather have, you know, the guy, you know, Steve Austin or Daniel Bryan or whoever else, I'd rather, rather see them in best health possible over one more match, whatever else for our entertainment since we have you know, WWE Network, we have DVDs, we have whatever else we can go back on and watch their older stuff to to relive the memories that we that we had before when they're in their prime and in their peak. Yeah, I mean, I think that the closest Austin, I, th I think the closest we were ever going to see Austin to a match was when he did that little deal with CM Punk where they kind of teased like that they were going to do some kind of angle and, and, and they never did. Um, and, and he didn't do it then. You know, I think he's older. Um, I think he's wiser. I think he, you know, I mean, he's the one that has to wake up every morning uh, with the aches and pains and bruises. So I think he knows what his body can handle. And I think that, uh, you know, he's he's probably satisfied that his body couldn't handle it. And, you know, for him to wrestle Brock Lesnar, I mean, my goodness, that's, you know, that's that's a whole other, uh, you know, that, that that's a whole other um, 
you know, argument to have right there because, you know, I mean, let's face it. Brock's a, a pretty physical guy. I mean, he's he's from the guys that have worked with him. They say that he's a lot safer than he looks. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it's still Brock Lesnar throwing him around. So um, how much could he take? I don't know. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, and Brock's whole deal is suplexes. Is, is Steve Austin with a brutal neck really going to take suplexes? I, you know, I mean, I don't see it. I don't I don't see it happening, nor should he. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I really don't think, you know, I understand why people want to see it. Um, that makes a lot of sense, but, uh, you know, I just don't think that it's going to happen. Do you think, do you feel, feel like that people are so excited for Steve Austin to come back because we never really had the quote unquote Austin retirement tour from him before? Um, yeah, you know, that's that's a big part of it is Austin never really did uh he never did the retirement tour. And you're you're absolutely right. It's um it's interesting because you know, all these guys have done retirement tours or matches, but he never did it. Um and um yeah, I think that's that's the one. I think, you know, people just want to say goodbye. Um but you know, I mean, Austin said goodbye for us and, and that's okay. I know I kind of mentioned it in emails before, but have you checked out Iron Maiden's new Book of Souls album? I did, and and I love it. It's um, you know, I mean, it, it's it's amazing to me to hear a band that I've been listening to since the late '80s that have been putting records out um, before that um, put out what could be their best material uh, at this point in the game. I mean, it usually doesn't happen that way. You know, bands usually peak at you know during those '80s and '90s, but I love it. I think it's great. I think it's new. I think it's different. Um, I, you know, I mean, I can understand why some people, you know, might be upset, but, um, you know, at at the end of the day, I I think it's, um, I think we're lucky. I think we're very privileged to, um, to, to get that music from them at this, at this stage of the game. Yeah. I I never really got on to the Iron Maiden bandwagon or, uh, in in their career that, yeah, well, I'm a lot younger than you. I grew up, you know, in the nineties and I, I wanted to check them out because, yeah, Chris Sherko had Bruce Dickinson on his podcast. And oh, yeah, that's right. He did. It was a great interview, too. Yeah, so I thought, thought why not try out Iron Maiden's new, a new album? And I was a little bit hesitant on it because I listened to the Black Sabbath 13 album that came out a few years ago, and I wasn't that, okay. impre- I wasn't that impressed with that album. That I guess I liked some of Ozzy's work before, and I feel like that, that Black that Black Sabbath 13 album didn't live up to whatever expectations I had. So I was kind of afraid that the Book of Souls album from Iron Maiden may, may uh, do a flop like I feel like the 13 album did for me. But I was, like you said, I was very well enjoyed and very and blew my expectations when I listened to the Book of Souls album that it was it was rocking and all that. And I felt like it's one of the, like I said, one of the better albums of a, 80s rock band that could put put new music out nowadays yeah um yeah that's that, that that's interesting um you know i mean i i've seen iron maiden in concert now um the last last couple of tours um going back to 2008 when uh when it was the first first well i guess bruce bruce did a, another tour before that but it was really the big the big classics tour the first big classics tour that they did with when bruce came back at least i think it was 
And honestly, they're better today uh, than they were in, in 1992, I want to say, when I saw them uh, for the first time. It's, it's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's a weird time, you know, uh, it's, it's a weird time to be a fan of, of that music because a lot of those bands, you know, that I liked, that I enjoyed, um, they still tour and they still come around and, you know, you're inclined to see them, but you go and see them and you're like, eh, you know, and, but at the same time, what can you really expect, uh, you know, from these guys that are older and, you know, and, and, and just stuff happens and I, and I get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Maiden, uh, one of, uh, if not, you know, the, just, just the best ever, um, because just because of their, uh, longevity, their longevity and, and their sustainability. It's just, it's just awesome. I was talking to one of my coworkers in the last few weeks about yeah since the new album came out and I mentioned a, one of my, yeah that coworker that I was gonna have you on and if time permitted we're gonna talk about Iron Maiden and something I didn't realize uh, you know before this conversation with my coworker that uh, Bruce Dickinson is actually the second uh, lead vocalist for Iron Maiden that I didn't know about before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Paul Diano is the first vocalist, um, and. The music is uh, the music's just different. Uh, the music is 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 much different. Uh, I don't really know how to explain it. He's a different vocalist. Um, you know, I mean, there are some days where I want to listen to the all to the old Paul Diano records. Um, uh, not not much, but there are some days. But honestly, you know, and I, I think I think Bruce does. Um, I, th- I think Bruce is better. Uh, you know, Bruce sings the old songs better than Paul did when he was in there. I know some people might might you know get upset about that, but it's that's how I see it. Um, yeah, that's that, yeah. that, that, that's just how I see it. And um, yeah, but yeah, there was uh, a vocalist. You know, I think um, uh, Chris Jericho was talking to Carrie King on the show, and they were t- they were you know. Uh, asking the question whether Bruce Dickinson was the or or they were talking about ACDC as the greatest replacement vocalist of all time and um, what's his name uh, Jericho brought up um, Bruce Dickinson and you know I mean I'm fan I'm a fan of ACDC and I'm a fan of Iron Maiden but I like the old ACDC better than I do I like Bon Scott ACDC more than I do uh, uh, you know the new stuff um, I can't say that about Iron Maiden I love and you know what the old singer too. I don't think he could have sang the songs the way that they were meant to be played um, like Bruce did. I mean, I just, I just don't. So, uh, so yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, it's an interesting debate for sure. But, um, I, you know, whether he's the the best uh, lead singer, you know, be- best replacement lead singer ever. But in my mind, I think he is anyway. I know you mentioned ACDC that for me, I can't really tell the difference between the two two lead vocalists in my opinion, I felt like no. they, for me, that they sound very similar. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I think that there are, um, I, I don't. I think that they are much different. I think much different. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think Brian, um, you know, I think, that, I think their new lead singer is, is more radio friendly, I guess you could say, than, um, then the current lead, to, then uh, Bon Scott. I just thought, I think Bon Scott was just real raw and just really. Uh, I just I just think he was great. I really do. And um, you know, I, I I wish that I had the chance to see him live and and appreciate him uh, at that time uh, the way that that I can for uh, you know uh, what's his name um, Bruce Dickinson. Now, I guess to get back to talk about Steve Austin before we wrap up the podcast, 
I know you kind of touched on it earlier, but why do you feel like people are so excited to speculate a Stone Cold return when it's fairly obvious that he will never be able to wrestle again? Uh, why? Why? Um, why? Well, you know, um, I just I think it's wishful thinking. I mean, who wouldn't want to see Stone Cold back in the ring? Um, I mean, I would. Um, I, it's, I, I think it's just, um, I think it's just wishful thinking quite honestly, um, at the end of the day. And I don't blame him. I mean, I'd love to see Stone Cold back in the ring as long as it didn't, um, put his, uh, you know, put himself in jeopardy, which it probably would, unfortunately. If it, if it isn't Brock Lesnar, that Stone Cold come back and have one last match and the, you know, and all they teased a Texas death match. Who would, would you put in Austin in the ring with to uh, say put over? Because we mentioned before, or I guess more you mentioned before, WWE doesn't have the star power that they used to when Stone Cold finally uh, wrapped up or had his last match with The Rock at WrestleMania 19. Yeah, they don't, and that's the problem. There is nobody, nobody for 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 them to put Austin in with at this point, other than. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar. I mean, I think Cena would be a really great dynamic. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, uh, I just, I, I just don't think it would happen, but I think, I think Cena would be a really awesome dynamic if that happened. If let's say if it would be Austin and Cena at WrestleMania, I feel like it'd be fairly obvious that Cena would go over. How do you feel like the reception would be if, if, if it is true that John Cena defeated Steve Austin in Steve Austin's last match, um, I think it would be. I think it would would, would be one of. Um, I think it would be one of the greatest uh, atmospheres for a match uh, in the history of professional wrestling. I mean, nobody in the building would like Cena. I mean, everybody would be playing for Austin. I just think that it would be. I think it'd be one of the the greatest. Um, moments uh, in wrestling history. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think I think it's a natural. I think you know what Cena represents and what Austin represents is a natural. And you know they they've you know had all these different guys uh, pass the torch to um, John Cena over the years, but there's nobody, uh, not even Hogan, that could pass it the way that um, uh, you know um, Austin could. I really I, that's that's really how I feel. If Austin does have a one last match and it's against Cena. Do you feel like the Austin Cena feud would be a lot better than the Rock Cena feud that we had for the few years from like WrestleMania 27 to WrestleMania 29? You know, I don't know if it would be better because, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's not going to be as long. That's for sure. Um, so, so, you know, right then and there, it's not going to be as long. So I, I don't know that it can get better if it's not as long, but, um, but yeah, I, I I do think it would be a lot of fun, though. I think it would be pretty awesome. I guess you kind of, uh, I guess. Well, I guess it's a point that you just or mentioned that the length of a match. Do you really feel like the length of a match really matters? Since you know we mentioned Hogan earlier, that a lot of Hogan matches in, the, in his heyday didn't go much past twelve minutes long, and I feel like like during the Attitude Era, we got fans got accustomed to seeing twenty, twenty-five, thirty-minute matches on pay-per-views and i feel like nowadays uh fans still kind of expect that out of the roster nowadays do you feel like there's a i guess do you feel like uh fans still expect the 30 minute four-star matches on every pay-per-view 
Um, do they expect that? No, I think fans have gotten conditioned to lower their expectations. I think they did for a while, but I don't think they do that. Um, I, I don't think they do anymore. I think they, I think they get it. You know, I think they get it a little more and I think that they, um, yeah, I really don't. I think that they've tempered their expectations quite a bit since then. And how can people find you on social media? Yeah. Uh, Camel Clutch blog uh, on Twitter. So at Camel Clutch blog on Twitter. And uh, yeah, my blog is camelclutchblog.com. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, camelclutchblog.com. And if you want to check out my old radio shows, which feature many appearances from uh, your your radio host here, uh, you can uh, find that at prowrestlingradio.com. Is there any truth to the rumors, Eric, that you're bringing back Pro Wrestling Radio? Uh, you know, I can't say that I don't think about it from time to time, uh, but, um, you know, no plans to. I mean, I, I, you know, I just recently tried to record a podcast and uh, unfortunately the software cr- uh, crapped out. So it never it, it never um, recorded, uh, which was a, a real uh, bummer. Um, so uh, so 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 after seeing that. I was like, well, maybe we should, um, you know, maybe we should take a break for a while. So, uh, so no, not right now, but you really never know. Um, really quite honestly, I mean, anything could happen. I mean, it sounds uh, cliche, but really anything could happen. I know. I, I can't remember if I mentioned this to you before or not, but I really did enjoy the few shows you did with Luke Hawks, you know, do a yeah. back and forth. I really enjoyed those, that run of, uh, shows that you did for a while compared to the, like the, Colin shows you used to because I felt like that was a something different I'd never thought or yeah something different that that you did for a couple months compared to what you did for most of the run of pro wrestling radio. Yeah, you know it was um it was interesting because you know I wanted to I wanted to present a show where the um you know the co you know where I had a wrestler that was actually a, a co-host and not just a guest and Luke and I are really close friends and we talked about it and I think it was great. Um, you know, I think it was really cool for the fans. Um, I'd like to do that again, maybe not every week with Luke, but maybe bring in different wrestlers from time to time to do that. But again, it's all a matter of time. If somehow I can free up some time, I would love to do it because I definitely miss it. And I definitely miss taking calls. Um, but we'll see what happens. Well, Eric, I thank you for the time you uh, gave for the podcast and yeah, thanks again for coming on. Yes, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's it's it was a real treat, and uh, looking forward to doing it again sometime. And that was Eric Arjul of CamelClutchBlog.com. Like he mentioned before, you can follow him on Twitter at CamelClutchBlog, or on his website CamelClutchBlog.com. You guys can check us out at MidEventStatus.com. Again, that's MidEventStatus.com. You guys can always check us out on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Radio. Again, that's SoundCloud.com slash Radio. We're also on iTunes. Search us out in the library, Radio. Hit the subscribe button. That way, whenever the show gets posted up, it gets downloaded automatically, and you can hear us whenever you want to on the go. Uh, hit the subscribe button, rate us, review us. We want to move up the charts and all that good stuff. Um, you can search us out on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Search out Main Event Status Radio or Facebook.com slash Main Event Status Radio. Again, that's Facebook.com slash Main Event Status Radio. Like us there. Interact with us. We would greatly appreciate it. And I'm on Twitter at Dirty Dog MES. Again, that's dog as in D-A-W-G on Twitter at Dirty Dog MES. For Eric Argillo, 
I am the Dirty Doc Darcy. Adios, mate adventures. Time when I said goodbye And now I'm back And not ashamed to cry Ooh, baby Here I am Signed to deliver I'm yours Ooh, yeah When I said goodbye And now I'm back And not ashamed to cry Ooh, baby Here I am more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night, everybody. That's so good.